Welcome, everybody, to Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein. We'll be kicking it here every other Thursday, quenching your thirst for an insider's take to enhance your customer's experience. Grab your drink of choice, kick back, it's Sippin' and Shippin' time. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein, and I'm here, as always, with my trusted companion, Caitlin Postal. Hey, Brian. How are you? I'm well today. Thanks. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Another Thursday here in Jersey. Loving it. We have with us today, Sean King from King's Bat Limited, uh, on the other side of the pond, as they say, who is here to kind of impart some tax wisdom on us. How are you doing today, Sean? I'm good, thank you. All right. So, you know, it was once upon a time that tax was sort of like the, the nerdy kid at school who suddenly became, you know, wealthy and everybody wanted to be their best friend and be with them, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's you, Sean. That's you. <laughs> well, the, tr- the, tr- the trouble is, guys, I've been doing this for 40 years, so uh, I've sort of grown up with it. I uh, started in VAT five years after it was introduced in the UK. Okay. 1973, so we've got a long way since then. Yep, yep. Now, so did you see Brexit coming? Was this something that had been kind of gaining traction? Yeah, yeah. Um, there had been a general... I mean, Brexit really was just the, the UK leaving all of the EU behind it, the European Union behind it. Yep. UK's an island. Um, we have an island mentality here. Okay. Europe is mainland, uh, one big uh, landmass. But there's been a, over the years, there's been a general disenchantment with things going on in Europe. And, you know, when it came to it about four years ago, we had the referendum vote. Uh, it was touch and go. Um, and I think everybody was surprised that we were going to go. The problem was, when we decided we were going to go, that's when the problems occurred, because nobody was quite sure how we were going to go. Right. right. The best part of four years for us to decide how we're all going to leave. And we're all supposed to be leaving and patting each other on the back. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Well, right. The victory was there. And then you had that fear of what was in front of you after that, right? This big untangled mess. Yeah, I mean, it, and let's be honest, it is a massive mess. And it still hasn't been untangled. Every day that goes by throws up a new problem somewhere. In my business, we probably have now 70, 80% of what we deal with is Brexit or that related in Europe issues. Yes. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's big changes. It's big changes. And so correct me if I'm wrong, but Brexit really, really covered the withdrawal, right? And not the terms of future trade. Yeah, I mean, it's just a name that people gave to it. It was just the the exit of the of the effectively Great Britain. So it was narrowed down to Brexit. But yeah, I mean, Brexit, as far as everybody's concerned, is just the UK leaving the EU. Most people don't understand the mechanics one little bit. Unless you're an importer or an exporter, it doesn't really bother you every day. I mean, the man in the man as we say in the street doesn't really see any difference. Right, right. So so if you get to so if you've got this the withdrawals covered, but future trade is not. I, I mean, is there is there the possibility as this continues to unwind that that hard feelings develop and then there becomes a pissing match in their whole in the trade agreements between the well, EU we, and the we've UK? Already got that. We've but, already got that. I mean, um, you know, I mean, if I if I can tell you now that I mean, we've got to give you a couple of ridiculous situations that have arisen up until the thirty first of December. Everybody was fishing in UK waters. Um, so the French people, French fishermen could fish in UK waters, land the fish back in France and sell it. On the 1st of January, 
the British trawler men were landing the same fish from the same waters, but Europe then told us that the waters were dirty and that we couldn't use the same waters to land the fish in the same way as before, and we had to wash them. Right. So that was that was a part of it. If we want to export pink cakes to Europe, we have to get a veterinary certificate to because they've got cream in the cake, so they have to have a veterinary oh, certificate. <laughs> so we 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 getting to those strange things. We we've had um, truck drivers uh, turning up in Belgium and having their sandwiches confiscated because they've got meat in them. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. So, so, so well, clearly, sort of idea of where we are. <laughs> right, right. So clearly, this this went from hey, we we've gotten this, the, the Brexit's through, we're moving forward, and now it's like everybody's feeling their way through the dark on this. Is there a possibility, Sean, that with all this, because right now, again, correct me if I'm wrong, shipping from the EU into the UK, shipping from the US into the UK is basically the same. Uh, well, I'd love to say that. Shipping from the US into the UK really hasn't changed much. Um, shipping between the UK and the EU and vice versa has changed because up until December when we exited, then free movement of goods, free movement of people, that stopped. So now if you want to move goods between the UK and the EU and vice versa, you have to start doing customs declarations to move those goods. And when you do customs declarations, then customs duty comes into play, VAT comes into play, and all the compliance costs that go with it as well. Right, so are those are those basically the same customs and duty? So if I'm, sh- if, if, if I'm located in the EU and I'm shipping into the UK, or I'm located in the United States shipping into the UK, we're, each one of those is now paying customs and duty that are fairly similar? Yeah, I mean, the, only, the problem we have is that if you were shipping from the US into the UK, you would pay customs duty on the goods. If those same goods were then shipped from the UK into the EU, then customs duty would be paid again on the same goods. There are ways of avoiding it, but that's the, that's the, the gist of what happens. So, of course, you then say, well, why not ship direct from the US into the EU? But uh, sometimes that isn't feasible because you're consolidating consignments coming over. I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, one of the questions that, that we get asked a lot, because some of our brands that, that we're fulfilling for have obviously they're with us. Uh, and, and have fulfillment centers either with us or in the US, and they're looking to establish one either in the UK or the EU. I mean, would you would you tell people at this point to just you know wait wait till the dust settles here a little bit before before picking a location to put think, a fulfillment center? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, no. I mean, just go ahead and do it now. I mean, what I will say is that one of the problems we have is that with consolidation, um, you have consolidators obviously in the US um, who will act for a number of people. Those consolidators in certain instances thought that they could just have one registration to cover all the businesses they act for, um, for VAT purposes. Unfortunately, you can't. VAT looks individual businesses. So every individual business that has goods that it sends from the US into the UK or into the EU has to look at it. If they own the goods when they turn up on our shores or on the EU shores, 
and they will have to be registered in most likelihood for VAT as an individual entity rather than using a consolidator and using one entity. Got it. So let's talk a little bit about that, the, the, the VAT. So do you refer to it as the importer of record? Yeah. Every importer of record has to have a VAT number? If the importer of record is bringing the goods into the UK with a view to selling them from the UK, then yes, they would. Okay. How does someone go about getting a VAT number? Uh, well, there's two ways, really. You can try and do it yourself. Um, but most, I'll be honest with you, most American companies find it impossible to understand the terminologies that we use over here. Or you can get businesses like ours that will actually register companies for VAT, get them an EORI number, and I'll explain the EORI number in a minute, yeah. and then do their VAT returns for them as well. So we just hold their hand and make sure they do all the compliance. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And now, Sean, can you, um, for our audience, for those listening that don't really know too much about VAT VAT or the EORI that you just referred to, can you give us a little context around yeah. that EORI yeah. number? Yeah, well, people get confused. When goods are imported into the country, there is two elements to it. There is one which is a customs duty element, which by its name is a duty, and the other one is value-added tax, VAT, and they're two separate things. So you have, and you, in order to be able to import goods into the UK, if you are selling them to a business, not to a private individual, but to a business, you need what is called an EORI number. I won't bore you with what it means, but <laughs> what, the, what an EORI number is, you need it. It's basically an element of security um, and also really um, statistical uh, number. Now, since the 1st of January, if you send goods into Europe, you need a separate EORI number to send them into Europe. That didn't used to be the case up until the 31st of December, but for now, it is. You need two separate EORI numbers. So you've got an EORI number, and that number is an identification number for value-added tax. Now, VAT is a self-assessing tax, which basically is where it works on a chain. So everybody that sells something counts for VAT. Everybody buys it, recovers it. The only person who pays VAT is the last person in the chain. Now, there's an audit trail in there. But in the case of an import, when you import the goods, if you have a UK VAT number, you do not have to pay VAT anymore. There is a way that it is accounted for on a VAT return. That is if you are saying business to business or if you're importing your own goods. The EORI number just allows you to do the import. And when the goods come in, then it depends then on the type of goods, where they originate from as to whether they, they attract customs duty as well. Got it. And 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 so for, for this purposes, well, first I, I, I want to clarify. Um, there's no grace period anymore, right? That is over in the UK. That has ended. Sorry, the grace period? Yes. Uh, I think people in the US were under the impression there was a grace period. There's never been a grace period. Right. Um, Impossible. The is, on the 1st of January, the rules changed. That was it. Unfortunately, the way the rules changed is that nobody thought in the UK to bother telling businesses in the US that it had changed or anywhere else in the world. So we weren't just picking on you guys over the pond. We we were picking on our friends in Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> and so, but you know, the UK authorities just never bothered thinking. They just relied on people like me 
they thought they could spread the word throughout all the states in America and all the rest of the world as well. Right. That all changed. Here you are doing podcasts, so maybe you are spreading the word. Let's <laughs> <laughs> hope so. Right, and, and you saved and, the, and you saved the UK some uh, some advertising and marketing dollars by doing so, so they didn't have to put it out there. Well, that's it. So, okay, so now VAT is a self-reporting tax, right? Um, yes, now, if you're a B to, if you're a B to B company, that's a different scenario. B to C. Yep. Right now, then, what happened was up until the thirty first of December. When you send your goods over to the UK, VAT was charged to import. So you would have had a UK agent who would have made the entry for you, paid the VAT and the customs duty to the tax authority. They would have then billed that VAT and customs duty back to probably the US shipper, who in turn would have gone back to the vendor and said, you owe us this amount of money. They would have all been paid. And to clarify, that would have been a UPS or a FedEx or a DHL or one of those. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Those were the guys that come back and said, look, you've got to pay this VAT and this customs duty. And that would have been it. However, 1st of January, we changed the rules in the UK. And what we did was we said that if goods are valued at less than £135 sterling, mm-hmm. then what would happen is VAT would no longer be charged to import but that the company that was selling the goods would have to register for VAT purposes in the UK, with a big exception to that. The exception to that is that if you sell goods through what we call an online marketplace, which is going to be Amazon, eBay, Alibaba, um, and a number of other different marketplaces, if you do it through them, they account for the VAT for you. But if you are selling off your own website, um, or even off Shopify or somewhere else like that, you will have to register for UK VAT and you will have to pay UK VAT for the UK authorities every three months. Now, there's a big issue there because up until the 31st of December, the value that you accounted for VAT on when you were selling it through UPS or FedEx was probably a lot less than the VAT value that you have to account for now. But from the 1st of January, VAT becomes due on the total price that you receive from your customer. So that is for the cost of the goods, postage, packing, delivery, everything. So if you sell for £20 sterling and you charge £10 for delivery, you have to account for VAT on £30, not just on the £20 you're making a charge for the goods. You're actually paying that VAT on the shipping cost too. You are, huh. yeah, because what they're doing is they're putting you as a US business on an equal footing with a UK business, should we say. Because if a UK business charges for postage and packing, like Amazon do and such like, they have to account for VAT on that as well. Hmm. And I can't say for sure what the U.S. law is. I don't know. For I don't think we're paying taxes. I don't think taxes are due on the shipping fees. I'd have to I'd have to clarify that. But I, I don't know if that's the case. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, because VAT is due in legal terms on the total consideration received for the supply of the goods. Mm-hmm. That's the legal jargon for you. That just means that that is always due on whatever the customer pays for those goods. Okay, so how you how you put that price together? 
So if if I'm a if I'm selling a higher priced commodity, still yeah. B 2 C, right? So I'm still I'm still doing you know individual items, and let's just say yeah. I buy a it's a it's a 200 pound pair of shoes. Yeah, fine. Um, what happens there is that you don't declare it on a UK VAT return. It is dealt with in the same way as it was up until 31st of December. So. The UK agent makes an entry and pays VAT or gets charged VAT and potentially customs duty. Because it's important to know that customs duty is only chargeable where the value of the goods is greater than 135. If it's less than 135, you don't pay customs duty. I'll come back to that in a second because it's quite important. Okay. But anyway, okay. just going back to this £200 pair of shoes. The £200 will just say it's got 10% customs duty on it. It becomes £210. VAT is charged at 20% because that's the usual rate in the UK. On that £210, which will be uh, £42, the £42 is paid by the UK agent, charged back to FedEx, FedEx then charge it back to the vendor. And that's for anything over 135 Now, I just mentioned that that 135 is quite important because if you are selling three items and each item is valued at 100, then obviously it's less than 135 pounds and no duties payable. But if you put those three items into one consignment, the one consignment becomes 300. That exceeds the 135 limit. That brings it within the customs duty net. Wow. So that, that wow. becomes an issue that you, you need to be aware of. Um, I spoke to somebody yesterday, again, looking at a fulfillment house, and when I explained that to them, their, their goods they're bringing in are about 11% duty, and the guy hadn't factored it in. So if he sells it from the US, fulfills it from the US, less than 135, he pays no duty on it. If he brings it into the UK, into a fulfillment house, he pays duty on the full value of those goods coming in. It pays 11%. So immediately, his costs are higher by 11%, bringing the goods into the fulfillment house in the UK than they would be selling them in a single consignment at less than £135 from the US. That's uh, that's that's extremely interesting. And, and, and so what you're also saying, though, too, is if I, as a brand, I would need to take a look at, again, I'm just going to use a consumer orders three pairs of shoes each one valued at 200 pounds, right? So which which may be subject- Brian, you need to bring it down to less than 135 a pair. So right. less than 135. So let's just say each pair of shoes is 100. That's the easiest way. Yes. So then I, so then, so then what you'd have to do there is is weigh whether or not it, it, it pays to send it in as three different individual items to that consumer to avoid yeah. the 11% duty yeah obviously you have to bounce that off of what the shipping cost is to send in the individual packages yeah 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 interesting but if you're paying 11 percent duty on 100 100 as it's an extra 11 pounds um you're gonna pay duty so you then say well okay fine so you'd pay on 300 you'd have 300 times 11 percent that'd be 33 pound extra duty and now is there any products or commodities that are exempt from that yeah, there are. Again, there's, there's, the most important ones you'll come across are children's clothing. Now, what I will say is your idea of a child and the tax authority in the UK's idea of a child differs dramatically. Um, 
The sizings, I think, were worked out in the 1970s and have never, ever been increased. So you find out that a child maybe as somebody could be an 11-year-old might be in clothing that doesn't actually qualify to be treated as children's clothing. But but children's clothing, to say, is zero. Foodstuffs are zero. And also books and magazines are zero as well. Understood. Interesting. Well, so, and I'm going to ask you one that's that's specific to to us. It's food and magazines. Does that include vinyl? For example, vinyl albums and things like that. Is it is it those types of memes? Basically, if you look at it, it has to be something that you can read that conveys information. So, if you had a, a book which was painting by numbers, okay, that wouldn't qualify because it's not conveying information. You can't read it. Right. So Got vinyl it. would not. So vinyl. So, so vinyl not like and things. We, we, media mail. Yes. We, we happen to have a little bit of a niche segment here where we do a lot of vinyl. And I was just curious if that if that would qualify. Yeah. Now, when you say vinyl, do you mean by that? Um, you mean records? Records. Yes. yes. Yeah. No, that wouldn't qualify. Yes. Yeah, they, they, I understand records and and, and albums, uh, but you know we 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 have some younger yeah. listeners who only who who only refer to it as vinyl these days. Oh, uh, that's easy. That's the trouble with us oldies, isn't it? You're right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I remember Frank Sinatra. Yes. <laughs> We're actually not too far from his birthplace. Oh, okay. there we are. Caitlin and I are, uh, are are just down the road from Hoboken. Okay. okay. Excellent. Okay. So I, I don't even want to touch on. The EU, because I know that's a whole other, that's probably an entire, yep, entire other podcast. <laughs> so, and again, and I'll go back to this, um, you know, this this fear for me of of the, the UK and the EU getting into a pissing match or continuing this. Is it possible that it gets easier at some point to ship from the US into the UK than the EU into the UK? Could it get to that point? Yeah, I think the thing is, we were um, generally we we are more accommodating at the moment to doing business with the rest of the world right. than we are with the EU. Because I'm speaking as a Brit, of course, but the Germans may say differently. Although I doubt they would. Um, Europe has put up a lot of barriers that they said they wouldn't put up mm-hmm. um, to the UK trading with them. So the UK has sort of been forced into putting barriers up itself to trade with the EU as well. So we're looking at markets outside of Europe. Obviously, you know, we want to do a trade deal with the US. We've done a trade deal with uh, recently Australia. We do one with Canada. And we're doing trade deals all over the place. So we'd be looking with you guys over the pond, as we say, to um, to have uh, beneficial or preferential trade deals with the UK. That depends on how quick... I mean, um, you know, we can agree a trade deal between some countries. We would not, we would make it easier than um, it possibly was before to actually play with the UK, the US. However, as we say, we'll have a different podcast when we talk about the EU, unfortunately. Yes, yes, I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure. And that's why we, I've intentionally avoided questions about the EU because I, I again, I know that's a whole other tangent that we can go off on. We so, spend another hour talking a, a, Exactly, about. exactly. So, so just, uh, you know, really, as we as we as we head towards the finish line here, just you know, on the on the VAT side, obviously working with a company like yours to help file those uh, on a quarterly basis. So, what happens if I get cute and I, and I and I try not to? Who's really tracking this? Um, who's really tracking it? Well, to be quite frank with you, at the moment, uh, people ask me, "What happens if I don't do it?" Well, the problem you're going to have is that. 
the UK works on an intelligence basis. So stuff that's coming through, they are aware of. Now, you run the risk at any given time of them stopping your consignment coming in. Now, when they stop that consignment coming in, what they will then do is ask you to demonstrate that you're paying VAT on those goods. If you haven't got a number, then they're going to require you to provide details of your historic trading with your VAT liabilities. Now then, you may say, well, we're in America, you're in the UK, what does it matter? Well, the only problem is that they have then the opportunity to seize all your goods uh, coming into the UK. So I've had a situation whereby somebody has sent over um, a couple of pallet loads of high-value-ish goods, which the UK has seized and said, well, that's okay, we're going to keep these until you guys pay us the money. Now, the thing about that is that those goods were destined for a customer or customers in the UK. You've then got to go back and explain to those customers why they're not getting their goods. And secondly, of course, they, those goods have been seized. You're not going to get them back unless you pay the money up that you owe. And if you don't pay it, then the tax authority just auction the goods off and, uh, and keep the money. And, of course, you'll find out you won't be able to import goods under that company's name in the future. Right. So it's always best, and that's financial penalties as well, always is. But, you know, it's always best to get it right from day one if you possibly can do it. Yep. Uh, well, I guess as the, as the saying goes, crime doesn't pay. <laughs> but it's amazing you said intelligence, which usually doesn't isn't synonymous with politics at all. <laughs> but when it yeah, comes to <laughs> when it comes to collecting taxes, somehow or another, they get very smart. Yeah, you see, you throw this, the guys that do this are those guys that stand at the airport, you know, in the black coat, in the black shirts and the black trousers, and they watch you as you take your stuff off the conveyor belt. Um, and then you start perspiring because you think, oh, my God, I might have an extra bottle of bourbon in my um, in my suitcase. <laughs> but it's the same way that the VAT system works. People over here, where the moment somebody rings them up and says they're from the tax authority, there's a massive gasp at the end of the phone. And I've done that because I used to be one of them, you know. So the moment you ring up somebody, even if they're innocent, there is a fear of getting it wrong in the first place. Right, right, exactly. Exactly. Well, speaking of bourbon, um, as you know, the name of the show is Sippin' and Shippin', and we usually lead with this, but we'll end with it today. So our, I know for you, it's a little later in the day. Are we, are, did you go cocktail, or, or what did you go in terms of drink? Strangely enough, I'm um, in about uh, an hour's time. I'm out with my wife to a microbrewery to sit down with my first beer of the year. Oh, oh fantastic. very nice. Excellent. Um, that's it. We're going out for a treat side. The thing about it is, though, guys, is that we've got to sit outside and the temperature is about six degrees, but we'll do it. Yep. Yes. You yes. Know? It's worth the first one. Exactly. Exactly. It's worth it for the first one of the year. So, so what are you drinking now? I, I, we're right around tea time. Well, are we just well, past tea time? Hey, guys, I'm English. I'm drinking a cup of tea. <laughs> Fantastic. Cup of tea, that's all, that's all I drink, cups of tea. So in honor of you, and I don't normally do this, as, as everybody knows, I'm a big I'm a big Dunkin' Donuts coffee fan, but I let, oh, Caitlin, oh. I let Caitlin make me a cup of tea for this episode. That's right. So we have yeah, pomegranate green tea. Pomegranate green tea. Oh, and no, 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 please, no. <laughs> <laughs> English tea. Uh, an English tea. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, it, this was fantastic. We really appreciate having you on, and we're looking forward to, at some point, talking about the uh, about the EU. 
Uh, highly informative. Uh, you know, there's a lot of information for people to digest and a lot of changes that are going on, you know, for, for us on this side of the pond, seemingly at lightning breakneck speed. Um, yes. so, so really appreciate you bringing clarity onto, onto this for us. Uh, and again, yes. yep. So, so thank you, Sean. Sean is from Kings Vat Limited. Um, and it's fantastic to have you on and, and to get to speak to you about this. Well, thank you very much for having me. And I'd, I'd say to the listeners, you know, if they have got any queries, any questions, obviously you've got an email address, but, you know, by all means, um, contact you and uh, we'll be happy to um, try and help people out. Fantastic. Appreciate it. All right, Caitlin, you want to lead us out? Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Make sure you check us out every other Thursday and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or of course, sippinandshipping.com. Wait, where? Sippinandshipping.com. There any G's at the end of sipping and shipping? No G's. No G's here. Leave your G's at home. All right. Just a couple of OGs. Thanks for <laughs> tuning in, everybody. Thank you, Sean. And we'll Thank see you, you next, uh, next time. All right. Take care, everybody. Appreciate you listening.